uh, that did not get their weekly assignment? Oh, okay. Uh, Jonathan there, I think they're on the back table there. <laughs> She's been sick here too. So, uh, Pray for uh, a lot, several of our folks. Um, Miss Deneen, who comes with Miss Linda Craig, she sits right down here. Um, on Monday evening, lost her sister who passed away. And uh, so pray for her. They've really been through a lot. And uh, there's a lot of issues going on there with the family. And so please keep Miss Deneen in prayer. And then Linda Craig is going back to the doctor. She can't, she's still having some breathing trouble and uh, this cough and cold flu type thing. And that's all she needed on top of everything else as well. So pray for her. And uh, she texted me. Uh, in fact, I need to read you the text. Uh, she texted me right before the service and um, mentioned that she's going to a specialist, uh, going to be referred to an immune specialist, so please keep in prayer uh, because uh, she's running a low-grade temperature and oxygen levels continue to drop periodically. So pray that she'll be able to stay out of the hospital and they'll be able to find some resolution to that. So uh, several of our folks sick. Uh, Brother Jim Beezer is out in California this week uh, on a trip. His family gave him, and so pray for him for traveling mercies. And um, so a lot of folks out, okay, a lot of folks sick. I know the Reeds, of Randy and uh, Victoria Reed went down to Georgia, and they'll be down there uh, for uh, uh, a little while to see the grandbabies, and so pray for them uh, back and forth uh, as they travel. Uh, so a lot of a lot of folks out tonight. Uh, and uh, so pray that God will bless there, all right? Uh, any other prayer requests real quick before we get started? Yes, ma'am. Okay, uh-huh. Oh, my. Okay. Okay. And give, give me the name again. It's Karen, Karen Fascia. Apasha. Okay. All right. So pray. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. Now I know who you're talking about. Okay. Sure. Okay. Tammy Brindley. Okay. So pray for her and the family. All right. Anything else very quickly? And then we'll jump into the lesson. Yes, ma'am. Okay. <laughs> there you go. We, I guess we could always section off part of the basement down here for them. Uh, but... Uh, Sure, sure. Yep. Wow, wow. Right. Okay. <coughs> All righty. Well, we'll be praying for both those then. And, uh, Okay. Um, um, 
so you're sicker than they are. <laughs> so with, with your uh, request for, uh, for her to be saved, let me just mention this. Uh, we've got these uh, prospect forms in the back. Uh, if you'll fill these out, I, I really want us to put together a Wednesday night prayer list of folks that we know are unsaved that we're praying for specifically. And if you can fill these out for me and turn them in, and if you want us to make a visit, let us know. If you think on Saturday that they would be open to having us come visit them, let us know. On there, put, a, put yes, a visit would be great. If you don't think they would do a visit, but they would appreciate maybe a phone call or a text or a letter, let us know that. And put that on these forms. Make use of these. And um, we, we want to be able to be praying for folks that are lost and doing what we can to try to share the gospel with them. So if you've got some of those, uh, like Heather, uh, put, put that on here and turn it into us, and we'll make that a matter of prayer uh, on every Wednesday night. Turn it in. Yes, please. Make sure you turn it in. But, uh, but certainly keep her in prayer. And any of us that have folks that are lost that we know that we're praying for, uh, we will make it a point to mention them by name in our church service here. So uh, pray for that and then turn those in if you know someone like that that you want us to be praying about and if they can use a visit or not. Because uh, we've, we've done real well the last two Saturdays. We've had our visitation time, and uh, we had... Uh, Five of us out this last Saturday, it was a little bit cold, so we went and made visits where we could knew, knew we could go indoors to visit. Uh, but uh, if we have a prospect and it's somebody you know, it's a friend or an acquaintance, uh, we'd call ahead of time, make sure they're expecting us, and you know, so we know we can go in and sit down and visit with them and talk with them and that sort of thing. So uh, let us know that, absolutely, and we'll be praying for that. All right? Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer for these, and then we'll get started, okay? Lord, we're so thankful for the opportunity, the privilege to study this, this topic especially of utmost importance. And I pray that you would help us to apply ourselves to it, Lord, that we would um, give us the, uh, the gumption, the, the discipline, if you will, the, care, the strength of character, and Lord, the compassion for the lost, that it will motivate us and encourage us to uh, study so that we can be better equipped and well-versed to be able to share the gospel with people, that it will become a natural thing for us, that it will be something that your Holy Spirit can lead and guide and direct in, and that he will go before us and prepare the way. And, Father, that we would see fruit for our labor, that we would see souls saved. Bless the time they'll spend here together tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to share just a couple things very quickly with you before we get to our lesson and um, they're, out of this lesson, I was sharing with Brother Keith uh, tonight, out of getting things ready for uh, our soul winning training time uh, has sprung an awful lot of other things that more and more I'm finding we are going to need to deal with as a church. And um, I want you to be praying about that as we study and get materials together and have things ready. Um, but uh, came across some things today I just want to... Uh, just forewarn our people about I don't always go online or on t I don't watch a lot of television shows of uh, preachers that are teaching uh, out there on television I, I glance by them every once in a while but I don't sit and watch and study what they're teaching there is a, a group of folks that are beginning to teach some things that claim to be independent Baptist fundamental Baptist and uh, they're starting a, a new movement of IFB uh, if you understand what that is um, and there is some some very, very serious doctrinal errors that they are holding to. And so I just want to give you real quick a couple things 
uh, that, that are doctrinally uh, things that we hold to here. And if you come across something like this, and Lord willing, we're going to have some time to teach specifically on these in the very, very near future uh, from Scripture so that we will have a biblical grounding on this. But apparently there is uh, a, a movement of folks that are teaching uh, that um, there is not going to be a premillennial or pre-tribulational rapture. Uh, pre-tribulational rapture, I uh, apologize. And that, that uh, there will not be a seven-year tribulation period. Uh, they're also teaching what we have never taught in our Baptist circles, uh, which is re- replacement theology, if you know what that is. Um, it's basically saying that God has um, moved Israel out, and the church now is the, they're considered to be the children of God. In other words, uh, in the sense of his chosen people, uh, that the church has replaced the nation of Israel. Let's put it that way. Uh, it's called replacement theology, very... Um, very much a heresy of Scripture. Uh, God has chosen His people, the Bible says, forever. And while there are times that they go through judgment, Israel, is, as a people, is still God's chosen people. I'm thankful, aren't you, that God allowed us as Gentiles to partake of the promises of the Messiah, the fact that we have the privilege to be saved. I'm thankful for that. But don't ever get the mindset that we believe that the church has replaced Israel. Uh, this is coming out, and, and if you've not heard it yet, it's, it's spreading like wildfire in our independent fundamental Baptist circles uh, in the younger generation of them that are coming up, uh, led by two or three very vocal people. And uh, so I just want to forewarn you of that. Uh, they also are putting up uh, uh, reprobate lists in their church. They're posting them on the wall. And saying, uh, you know, we had 150 uh, souls in church today and four reprobates, you know, and they're calling them out. Um, and folks, nowhere in Scripture does it tell us to do this. And so I just wanted to say that I uh, had been warned about this a month or so ago. A friend of mine had shared with me that some of this was starting to spread around and didn't think a lot of it. But it has crossed my path this week in studying for some things and I was literally appalled at what is coming out of these folks. And I, I, I say that by way of warning, to warn us that if we come across these things or hear them, uh, hopefully, Lord willing, in the very near future, uh, we're going to take some time and uh, give you material so that you know from God's Word what the truth is on these issues. Uh, it's called Bible doctrine, and we want to make sure that we have sound doctrine here. Amen? And we want to hold to these things. So uh, bear with us as we get that stuff together and take care of that. But uh, I did want to, it's such a a prevalent issue right now. I just want to make sure that we are, um, that we're making, uh, that we're cautious of these things or careful of these things. And uh, certainly do not, do not uh, condone them, okay? Some of the dangers of what they're teaching now. Uh, I've been studying uh, some religions, different uh, denominations and, and cults and, and false religions because I want us to, uh, we're going to be teaching on those as part of our soul winning training over the next few months uh, to help us know better how to relate to and to talk to and to answer the questions of and to know where they're coming from so we can know best how to take scripture and apply it uh, to what they think or what they believe and that would be most effective for them. And so we're, in studying some of these uh, one of the first ones I, I'm working with and studying on uh, are the Mormons. 
And uh, as I studied, or as I came across these uh, doctrinal issues this week uh, that are going around in our IFB churches, what they, they call themselves the new IFB, uh, lend themselves to some of the beliefs that the Mormons hold to. And so it's a very, very dangerous and shaky ground to be treading on. So I just wanted to, as your pastor, forewarn you of those and tell you to be cautious. I don't know how many of you get on the Internet or watch some things on television. Be very, very careful what you, what you hear and what you see. And um, so, yes, ma'am, Miss Sandy. Pardon me? They do. They, from, from, uh, when you talk about a wolf in sheep's clothing, literally from the outside, they, they're, they're King James, they're soul winning, they're firebrand preaching, everything we would want in a church, except their doctrine is wrong. And so just be very careful with that. Miss Kim? We'll deal, we'll deal with the issue of abortion. It's found in Scripture, uh, but they use the word kill instead of abortion or murder. So we will deal with the topic of abortion, absolutely. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. Yeah, so we'll deal with some of that. Miss Evelyn? Uh, the fellow that it originated with had attended uh, a, Bible, a fairly well-known Bible college that over the years has been pretty well-known for independent fundamental Baptist folks. Um, I don't want to give the name of that college out because I don't want to tie him to it because he didn't finish there, he didn't graduate there, but he attended there and then dropped out and went and started his own church and his own movement. So um, I'll be careful about that. We get into it. If if names are necessary, I'll give names out. But I, I just want to warn our people mainly about the doctrinal error. It's more important that we know scripture and we know doctrine, um, and um, and we may get to that point where we have to share who it is and, and who the ministry is. But yeah, I'm not here to tear down a ministry. I'm just here to say I'm responsible for what gets taught and preached here. And I just want to make sure that our church understands, uh, I don't care what another man may think of it or whatever, but it, we want to know what the Bible says about it and hold to that, okay? So just wanted to forewarn you. Okay, that being said and being done, uh, we're on soul winning, and uh, we've now dealt with some things. Last week we gave you, we started to give you uh, verses of Scripture uh, to be used in multiple areas. And give me just a minute here things that popped up. Okay. Um, all right. So last week we gave you several areas. I'm just going to flash, flash through these quickly. Um, there's six main areas uh, that we're looking at that when we lead a soul to Christ, uh, we need to deal with each of these areas. Uh, the fact that all have sinned, we need to make sure if they're not lost and they don't know that they need to be saved, uh, we're going to have a hard time uh, leading them to salvation. 
So they need to know uh, sin and the penalty of it. We need, they need to understand the sacrifice of sin, that Jesus came and what his reasoning for that was. And we gave a lot of verses that you can use. I would say this, uh, and we shared this last week, our, our responsibility uh, as uh, a Christian is to lead, and we use the term lead up here, uh, but to guide them. Uh, the word guide was used in Scripture, and uh, I believe it was um, Acts, uh, was Acts chapter 8, I believe. And uh, the fact that we're to lead them to understanding and um, to guide them to understand the truth of God's Word. Here, here's what a lot of times happens and, and what we have to be careful of. And I, I, I would rather err to the side of overemphasizing this because it is so important and so crucial. For years, uh, I was in some soul winning training times and they taught us how to lead a soul to Christ. Um, and, and it was all very quick, very short, uh, very to the point. Uh, literally, you could do the plan of salvation and lead a soul to Christ in 8 to 10 minutes if you followed that process. And there was a lot of um, getting through the Scriptures. Uh, wouldn't you like to trust Christ as your Savior? Yes. Then let's pray and repeat after me. And when we get done, then we were taught, make sure you give them assurance of your salvation. So, well, did, did you pray? The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Did you, did, are you whosoever? Yes, you are. Yes, I am. Uh, did you call on the name of the Lord? Yes. Then you shall be saved. And uh, so we leave. And let's say two, four, six, eight months down the road, another soul winner comes by the house, knocks on the door. Guy comes to the door. Uh, hello, I'm from Keith Heights Baptist Church. We're out visiting our folks and inviting people to church. Do you go to church anywhere? Uh, yes, I go to such and such uh, church down the road. Well, that's great. And more important than going to church, obviously, is to make sure you're going to heaven. And uh, so we might approach it this way. This is the way I was taught in these sessions. Uh, well, it's good that you go to church. More important than that is, are you saved? Do you know 100% for sure if you died right now that you would go to heaven? That's, that's the key question. Well, yes, I do. Really, you do. How do you know that? Well, uh, about eight months ago, a guy was by here, and he shared some verses with me, and we prayed together. What's wrong with that? What are they trusting for their salvation? That they pray to prayer. Now, I'm not against the sinner's prayer. I think it's a great thing, and certainly the Bible speaks of people calling out to the Lord, and, and, and that there's a prayer there. But in Romans chapter number 10, we usually end with verse number 13, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But we forget to go on to verse number 14. And how shall they call on him in whom they have not what? Believed or heard. And how shall they uh, believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And it goes on and on. But they cannot call on him if they have not believed. The word call is not saying a prayer. It's calling out to God, saying, I'm trusting you for my salvation. They must understand that they're not trusting a prayer to save them. They're trusting the Lord Jesus Christ to save them. Uh, we've got to be careful of this. So I don't want people, because I've talked a lot about this in these training times, I don't want people to get the mindset that I'm against a sinner's prayer. I think the sinner's prayer is part of it. But there's got to be that trust in Christ. If they haven't trusted Christ, they can say all the prayers they want to say, and, and they're not saved. And so we've got to be careful of that. <clears throat> And we'll talk a little bit more about that as we get towards the end of this lesson. I don't know that we'll finish it tonight, uh, but Lord willing, by next week we will. 
But uh, I'm reminded, you remember when Peter was out walking on the water, Jesus uh, in the middle of the storm, Jesus called him out. And uh, he calls out when he's sinking. I perish, <laughs> save me, you know. He wasn't just going through the process of saying a prayer. There wasn't a soul winner beside him saying, Peter, uh, what you need to do is repeat this prayer after me to, to Jesus and, and then he'll save you. So if you say these magic words, if you say what I say and repeat them after me, then God will save you. He was crying out to God when he said that. The disciples, when Jesus was asleep on the boat at another time, they said, we perish. Help us. You know, we're, we're dying here. And that's the point these folks need to be at when they, when they get to the point of praying to God. It's a heart that realizes I'm lost. I cannot do anything to save myself. And if there's anything I can hold on to that will save me, it's the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. Now, Lord, save me. You see the difference? I'm not against the sinner's prayer. But there's got to be the understanding. There's got to be the drawing of the heart. There's got to be the realization that it is not because the pastor of Keith Heights Baptist Church knocked on my door and shared some verses and we prayed together. That did not save anybody. But they had to call out to God realizing He is my only hope. If I'm going to make it out of this thing of the sin of the judgment of sin, the only hope I've got is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to just trust Him. Next time somebody knocks on the door, yes, I'm saved. Why? Because I have trusted Christ. I'm taking Him at His word. I know that what He said is true. I believe he died, was buried, and rose again in my place. And that's my only hope. So we want to make sure that as we're going through this, we use verses. Not, not logic, not reasoning. God will allow us and the Holy Spirit will allow us. Uh, was it Matthew chapter 15? We were talking about last year, or Matthew 5. That talked about um, the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't take any thought. The Holy Spirit will guide you. And what you should say, Brother Harold, do you remember which one that one was? It was Matthew, was it 15, I think. Yeah, Matthew 15. And if we are equipped and prepared with the verses, we've spent time studying them, we know them, we can get to them, we have a way of getting to them in our Bibles, then it makes a, a big difference in what the Holy Spirit has to work with to call them remembrance what needs to be said. And we want to be sensitive and led by the Holy Spirit in sharing the gospel with people. Be careful... I love tracks. I think tracks are great. Tracks have certainly been used. But the track is, is kind of the, uh, if you don't have, if they're busy, you don't have any other choice, hand them the track. At least give them something. If you're, you know, something's going on and it's, and it's busy time, you can't stop right there and share the gospel, at least give them the track. But that's the least. All right? And when we lead somebody to Christ, if all you have in your pocket is a track, then use it. But if you have a Bible with you, use the Bible. People don't want to trust a pamphlet. There are, there are many groups out there that when they come and knock on your door and you ask them a question or they're trying to show you something, one of the first things they do is, well, we have this pamphlet. we got to be careful of that. While I know that our tracks have the Bible on it, that person doesn't know that. 
They just see a pamphlet. Why are they going to trust that? But if we can take out a Bible, say, here's God's Word, here's what God has to say about it, then that will help us. Okay? So uh, working on some of these things. Um, so, and then uh, the, the third area, uh, the shedding. Uh, and I don't know why I've got John one twelve up there. It didn't do right there, I don't think. Um, so they need to understand uh, that they're a sinner, uh, that there was a sacrifice that the Lord Jesus Christ made, and that sacrifice was shedding his own blood on Calvary. Uh, we don't preach enough or teach enough about the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins, and so we've got to be careful of that. All right? Then we start getting to the point of salvation. Here's where we start drawing the conclusion and kind of bringing things together on if you want to be saved, this is what has to happen. <coughs> There's no amount of works. There's just trusting the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's got to be by faith. I was trying to, uh, Brother Keith and I spent uh, probably a half hour or so right before the service, maybe 20 minutes before the service. And dealing with the lines of beliefs all the way back to the early church and the apostles and how a branch came off and became the Roman Catholic Church and then later on a branch that protested them broke off and became known as the Protestants. But there's been an unbroken line of people who held to doctrinally sound doctrine. They've been called many names over the years. But there's an unbroken line. I'm not a Protestant. I I hold to the teachings and the truth of God's Word. We call ourselves a Baptist today, but they've been known by many names over the years. And one of the things we've got to make sure of is that we don't allow works to come into the picture. Because we do not believe that salvation plus is faith plus something. It's simply faith and faith alone. And so we've got to understand this because every other organization or group out there will teach that it is faith plus Faith plus. And uh, we're going to be seeing that in the next few months as we go through some of these. But we want to be showing them this. Let's turn to Acts chapter number 16. We're going to take time uh, to look at these verses because I want you to be familiar with them. Uh, Some of them are ones I'm sure that you know and perhaps you've memorized over the years. uh, Or perhaps you're familiar with at least in helping on some of these. Let's go to Acts chapter 16 and verse number 30. And brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. So what are we supposed to do in order to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what it, it takes. We've got to show them and to guide them as we show them scriptures. The only way that you can be saved, the only way that you can escape this this. Uh, penalty, this payment for sin that we all owe is by trusting the payment that Christ made on Calvary through His sacrifice, through His shed blood on the cross of Calvary, and, and then we must believe Him for our salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Ephesians chapter number 2. We know this one. Ephesians chapter number 2, verses 8 and 9. And um, I want to do this very quickly. I want us to read. I want us to read from the. Or I'll, I'll read it for you. If you got your Bibles, good. Turn there. Ephesians chapter two. I love context in Scripture. 
Uh, I don't always get it right, but I like to try to look around Scripture and find context. I'd like us, if you will, take the time tonight. Let's read from verse number 1 of chapter 2. Paul says, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in kindness toward us through Jesus or through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So in an amazing passage of Scripture, you can almost use that whole passage, and you could lead a soul to Christ from that just that passage alone. So again, knowing and being familiar with. Sometimes you may come across somebody, and they may need the verses before that. So in being familiar with these things. So again, by grace are we saved through faith. It doesn't say by saying the sinner's prayer. <laughs> through faith. The sinner's prayer comes because of the faith. Not because a soul winner said, let's pray. And by the way, uh, I don't know what soul winning things you've ever done in the past. Uh, but to begin a prayer with somebody and then don't end the prayer and then try to say, now wouldn't you like to trust Christ as your Savior while we're praying here? It puts them on the spot. It puts pressure on them. I'm reminded of um, times when I've knocked on a door, and when they came to the door, you could tell by their body language and what they're doing that you know they're looking at the watch or looking around the neighborhood. They're busy. They got things going on. I felt like, man, as long as they're answering questions, oh hey, I'll I'll stand there and go through the process. Eight, ten, twelve minutes. They get through the plan of salvation. Wouldn't you like to be saved? Well, yeah. What do I got to do? Well, let's pray. <laughs> and I tried to use, you know, hey, let's, when I, it's a prayer, but know that you're praying to God for this. Okay, okay, what do I do? And they didn't any more get saved than anybody else. They, they were simply trying to do what was the quickest way to get me to leave their house. So we've got to be careful of this. Again, I'm going to harp on it and harp on it and harp on it because there are a lot of places out there that teach this. And they teach that, boy, you get them to say, everything is to get to that prayer, get to that prayer, get to that prayer. Where's the understanding? Where's the convicting of the Holy Spirit on their hearts? There used to be a day, and I've read about them and I've longed for them. But there used to be a day when sinners came to trust Christ as their Savior, there was weeping involved many times. We don't find that a lot anymore. Some people do still, but not a lot. We don't find the, the the altar of a church used to be called the mourner's bench. You remember that? Why? Because people would come here contrite in their sin, realizing I'm lost. 
I must trust Christ or I'm, I'm lost. I have no other choice. And now we've gotten it all down into this neat package and we give folks a false sense of their security. And the sad fact of the matter is they'll go to hell trusting a prayer. Trusting a soul winner's word that, hey, you prayed so you're saved. You're good to go. There's got to be that understanding. And we need to pray. We need to pray earnestly that the Holy Spirit will allow us to sense and to understand that as we're leading a soul to Christ. Are they getting it? Is the light bulb turning on? Are they really understanding what we're getting to here? If not, if they get glazed-eyed and they're lost and you've lost them, at least leave the door open for the next soul winner to come along. Be careful of that. All right? So, again, salvation by faith. Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter number 2. And uh, look at verse number 16. I hope I've got all these typed right tonight. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. You're going to come across people and you're going to come across the vast... Here's the problem we have with soul winning today. A lot of the doors we knock, a lot of the people we talk to are religious people. Would you agree with me on that? Do you go to church anywhere? Oh, yeah, I go to such and such church. What's the pastor's name there? Uh, (laughs) Don't know the pastor, but I go to that church. They're religious people. And because they're religious people, they fall into one of two categories. They either believe that salvation is by faith and faith alone, or they believe that salvation is by faith and works or works by itself. And this is a great verse if somebody's saying, well... I, you know, I try to live a good life. I, I try to keep the Ten Commandments. You ever heard that one? Boy, if I, I've, I've been really trying to keep the Ten Commandments. By the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Great verse. Not one we use a lot in soul winning, though. But a great verse. It's helpful, okay? You see how it ties together? Some of the occasions that this might come into, into good, good play with. All right, Romans chapter 3, verse 25. Romans chapter 3, and verse number 25. We know Romans 3, 23. I want us to read from verse 23, though, and, and move down, okay? Verse number 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Semicolon. You see that? It's a continuing thought here. We haven't ended the sentence. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God being justified freely by His grace. I love that word freely, don't you? I don't have to earn it. Justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in my sinner's prayer. Through the redemption that is in my good works, my good life, my treating people kindly. That's through Jesus Christ. Whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed 
through the forbearance of God. All right? So again, a great, great number of verses there to be used on the topic of faith. This is not something we earn. This is a free gift. They've got to understand this. It is not by works, but a gift. All right, moving on. Uh, So we get them to the point where they realize that they need to be saved. Uh, This could be a good place to ask them if they would like to trust Christ as their Savior. Again, you're going to need the leading of the Holy Spirit. This is an area where a lot of folks struggle in sharing the gospel. How do I get them to make a decision for Christ? Hopefully, by what we've already talked to them about, the decision's already there. But it could be that we say something along these lines at this point. Do you believe everything that I've shown you that God has said? Yes. God wants to give you this forgiveness of sins. He wants to come into your heart and save you. You cannot save yourself. Do you believe that? Yes. Do you believe that he died? Yes. Rose again? Yes. Was buried? Yes. Do you see any reason why you would not trust him for your salvation? No, I don't. Well, then would you like to do that today? Would you like to put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ today? That's their point of decision. We can't make them. The Holy Spirit's got to draw them. But we need to provide that opportunity. It could be that they were like, I already believe all this. I've already put my faith in him. And then you might be able to say, well, why don't we pray together? Why don't you just tell the Lord that you're going to put your faith and trust in him today and let them pray. If they stumble and say, well, I don't understand, I don't know what to say, then we need to go back on some things because I don't know that they fully understand everything. If we've done well with, with reading this and the Holy Spirit's been working in their heart to show them It's as simple as trusting Christ. The prayer is simple. And it becomes easy for them. I've seen people get saved by praying two or three sentences. I've seen people pray for five minutes. And I'm not saying that there's never a time that we don't pray with them. But as much as possible, they need to understand. They need to call out to the Lord themselves. I don't like the repeat-after-me type prayers. I just don't feel like that's a really good thing. But if, they, if, you, if they're hesitant, and they want, but they do want to, genuinely want to trust Christ as their Savior, there's been times I've said, would you like me to pray first? Yes, I would. And then I would pray, Lord, help this person. They, they understand, they've trusted, uh, the, or they believe that this is true, and help them to come to that point of trusting you at your word. Taking you for what, taking you, your word at, at face value, and saying I trust and I believe in that. And uh, then when you're done, would you like to pray and let him know that you're trusting him today? Yes, I would. Or no, I wouldn't. Either way, you leave the door open. If they trust Christ as their Savior, then we want to help them with some other things, and so we deal with this fact that we are sealed under the day of redemption, eternal security. It could be that. They're not ready to trust Christ as their Savior, but we talk about the idea that once we're saved, and always, we're always saved, because that may be an issue with some folks. They may say, but what if I trust Christ and then tomorrow I sin? 
Well, answer the question for them. Maybe that's what it will take for them to understand well enough to trust Christ as their Savior. So let's look at Ephesians chapter number 1. The idea that we're sealed under the day of redemption. All right? Ephesians chapter number 1, verse number 13. In whom ye also... Uh, let's back up verse number... Well, let's back up to verse number... Wow. Well, let's, let's start in verse number um, 10. I don't know that I would use verse 10, but just so we can see the, the, the context of it. That in the dispensation, and the reason is it talks about dispensation, you're probably going to be scratching your head, what in the world is he talking about dispensation of time? That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ. So it's important to establish here that he's speaking of Christ. Both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ. In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. The idea that they are sealed. All right? And again, I don't know that you want to use all of those verses. Some of that can get into some issues of doctrine that I'm more than happy to share with some folks, but they would probably be scratching their heads. It would be like trying to feed a T-bone steak to a baby. <laughs> probably a little bit much for them. Okay? Not that we don't want them to know that. We do. But it may take a little bit of time before they're able to absorb that and take that in. Okay? Ephesians chapter number 4, verse number 30 is another good one. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Okay? 2 Corinthians one Who also hath sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. So this is where we express to them and let them know that once we trust Christ as we're, as a Savior, as our Savior, uh, we are sealed. Uh, eternal security. You may use verses that talk about I and my Father are one, and no man can pluck them out of my Father's uh, my hand, or no man can pluck them out of my Father's hand. The passage of Scripture that deals with that. Uh, there are numerous verses you can use with sealed. I said this last week, and just pause for a moment here. Um, I said this last week, what I envisioned for our notebooks that we're keeping, our worksheets together, if you've not done a three-ring notebook yet, if you can't afford one, I'll give you one, but you can get them for like a dollar fifty, I think at Walmart or something like that, two bucks. But I, I envision us over the years growing our soul-winning notebook, resources, tools, things that we can put in there that help us Maybe we get on the phone with somebody, maybe it's a family member or somebody we know, and we get talking about it, and the opportunity comes up to share the gospel with them. And in the midst of conversing with them, they come out and they say, well, I'm a Jehovah Witness. <laughs> oh, what do I do? Can you hang on just a second? Walk over, grab your notebook. Open up to the resources on Jehovah's Witnesses. Okay, let's talk about this. Boom, you got it. 
It's a great resource. How many of you have ever gotten to the point where somebody said something in, in trying to get onto the topic of salvation and you didn't know where to go with it? I've been there. <laughs> I don't know where to go. I don't, man, they asked me, you know, boy, I don't, with what they believe, where, what do I show them from Scripture, you know? Um, we are going to give those tools out. And, and this year on Wednesday nights, we're going to be dealing with different groups and folks. And each time we deal with that, we're going to give you materials. We're going to give you stuff to put in your notebook that you can use to help lead them to Christ. And at least show them the truth and allow the Holy Spirit to get that foot in the door of their heart and start working on it. I'll tell you this. I've been studying about the Mormons right now and, and putting some things together to start teaching on them. One of the things I found with them is they don't get saved quickly. Many of the Mormons that I have come across and found that have been helpful in giving some material out and some things that we can use, that they're now Christians and they've trusted Christ as their Savior, most all of them, when they give their testimony, say the seed was planted in three months. Finally, there it was, or seven months, or five months, or two months. I have yet to find a Mormon that the first time somebody knocked on their door but they trusted Christ as their Savior. It takes some work. And so that, I'm not saying they're not out there. I'm just saying I've not come across any yet. And I've been spending quite a bit of time studying it. So that being said, let's build our resources. Let's build our tools. This is our toolbox, all right? Uh, workmen that need not to be ashamed. Knowing the Word of God and having some quick references in our notebooks that will help us to know what verses in Scripture I can use, questions I can ask. I will say this, there's a lot of groups out there that will use very similar verbiage and words that we use, but they don't mean the same thing. And we need to know that, because if we don't, we might shake our head and say, yeah, exactly, I agree with that, and, and we don't agree with what they're referring to. So we got to know those things, okay? So get you a notebook. I, I try to three-hole punch everything we hand out. Uh, we did not make it through the whole page tonight, but that's fine. We'll pick up there next week. Each time we study a little bit, we get a little bit better at what we're doing. Uh, had a real good talk Saturday uh, with the folks that came out for soul winning and sharing some things that are some of our fears maybe or worries, some of our anxieties, uh, looking at things that are weaknesses to us, um, things that maybe we can say, okay, that's an area I need to work on. Um, I know it's hard to memorize things. And so we gave some ideas out um, Saturday that I think are great ideas. And so I'm going to take about three or four minutes. Uh, well, it's already after 8 o'clock, isn't it? Let's, let's just take a couple minutes. I'm going to do this very quickly. I'm going to give you some things that we talked about. And, and if I forget something, maybe Miss Sandy or Brother Harold, maybe you two can remind me of some of the things we talked about Saturday. <coughs> Excuse me, but one of the things that will be helpful is as much as possible, we do want to use Scripture and show them from Scripture, meaning if all you have is a tract, that's fine if that's all you've got. But if we've got a Bible handy, let's try to do a Bible. I'm, I'm working on and trying to find a way to get some inexpensive um, Soul Winners New Testaments that are easy for you to carry. They're small, they're lightweight. You can carry them in your purse, men can put them in their back pockets. Um, they don't really fit in a shirt pocket usually, they, but they will fit in the back pocket. To carry a Bible like this to the door, it's not the end of the world, but sometimes that's overbearing on somebody. They, they may be like, wow, that's 
<laughs> Don't come carrying your big family Bible, you know. You got a table we can set this on. You know, that's not going to work real well. So we're going to work on that. But when you have that, these, these verses that we give you, and this is just a framework. This is not exhaustive. My goal is we want to deal with these six areas. Uh, we're going to talk about the sixth one next week. These six areas, and we may add some more to it as we go along. But these are six main categories of verses that you can put under uh, in your Bible and underline them. If you can't remember, I, my, my weakness, I'll just tell you right up front, my weakness, I can usually memorize the verse. And at least enough that I can quote, I might miss an A or a the here and there. I might get a couple words quick flipped around if I'm trying to quote it. But a lot of times I can memorize the verse. I have a hard time with the reference. Anybody else have a struggle with that? I, I struggle with the reference. Where am I going to do the reference? Brother Harold's got an excellent tool back there. We showed it last Wednesday night. If you got time after the service and you want to look at it, I think, do you have it with you tonight? Excellent resource. We're trying to find source still for more of them, if there are any more of them. It helps you picture mentally some things about the verse. Another thing we talked about is, if you can remember the first verse, where to get started. It might be Romans 3.10 that you like to use. It might be Romans 3.23. It might be John 3.16. Whatever verse you're comfortable using to start with, or maybe go to all three of them and say all three of those are good starting verses, then you write the second verse that you would go to right next to that verse in your Bible. Just write the reference there. So that when you're showing that to the person, you don't have to remember, hey, i got to go to Romans 5.8, now i got to go to Romans 6.23, now i got to go to Romans 3.10, i got to go to Revelation 20, i got to go to... You don't have to remember all these references. Then you go to the next verse, the second verse, and you write the third verse next to that. So you've got it there. So if you have, that's just a memory aid, something to help you. This is just a practical thing to help you. Something Brother Harold said a few weeks ago that help, would help me greatly. And I love this idea because it allows a little bit more of the leading of the Holy Spirit to help us. In which verse do I use? Or do I use all of them? Do I use some of them? How much is too much? How much is too little? The idea of color coding the verses in your Bible. And we've got six categories here. We may end up with seven or eight when we're done. I don't know. Maybe we'll have some little subcategories under them. But six main categories here that we're dealing with of verses. And color code them. Make this category red. And every time you flip through the Bible and you see a red verse, hey, I know I can use that one for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I don't even have to look at the reference. And that helps me so that if I'm stumbling and fumbling and I'm nervous as all get out like a long tail cat in a room full of rocking chairs... I can, I can stand there and talk to that person, and when I'm done with, uh, for all of sin and come short of the glory of God, oh, my next one, my next one is a green color. I don't remember what it is, but I can remember green, so let me flip through. Oh, there's a green verse. And at least I'm able to go through the process. Now, hopefully the Holy Spirit, over time, if, as we get used to this, it'll become more natural. We'll remember more. The more you use it, the more you'll remember. But these are things that will help us get started. So color code them. you got six categories here. Come up with six different highlighter colors and highlight all these verses in your Bible. And as you read and find other verses, and I want to just say a word about this, I would love to see us as we do our personal reading. We're, we're, some of us are reading through the Bible in 90 days. Some people are reading through in a year. Um, or some people just they don't have a, a rush through the Bible. They're just going to take their time and meander through the Bible. And you read... And you come across a verse and you think, man, that would be awesome to use for the issue of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Or that would be great to use for the 
the idea of faith. Get out the highlighter and highlight it. Write the verse down under your list of verses that we just gave out. I'd love to see us take that, that page that we handed out. I'd love to, in a year, see 30 verses under each of those columns or more from Scripture. And so what we're trying to do is not just teach you, but also teach you how to accumulate the tools and the resources necessary to utilize the Bible effectively as a workman that needs not to be ashamed. Okay, so do we understand what our goal here and intent is? I mean, I can teach you how to lead a soul to Christ in 10 minutes. I don't think a lot of people will get saved from it, to be honest. But if I can teach us to be students of the Bible, to study to show ourselves approved, workmen that need not be ashamed, then we will continually through our lives be progressing in this thing of soul winning. And so hopefully that's the goal, okay? That's what we're shooting for and what we're looking for. I wanted to take time tonight, but it's already 10 after 8, to pair off. For sure next week we will do that. Uh, I've only got one more subject to do here, one more category, so we'll do that next week. And we will probably take a good bit of time next week. Maybe we'll do it with partners, come back and talk about it for a few minutes, and maybe switch again and do it twice next Wednesday night with two different people. Um, So we won't take the time to do that tonight because I know the hour's late. But... um, Let's, let's study as best we can. Let's read, use some of these tools. Think of ideas. If you've got an idea, bring it up. Uh, at this point, we do have soul winning every Saturday, weather permitting, uh, at 11 o'clock. We'd love to have you come out and go with us. If you're nervous, we'll send you with somebody, okay? Um, right now, with the weather being really cold, a lot of the visits we're making are people we know. It might be a shut-in of our church, so it may just be a, a, a visit that we're doing where... Uh, we're getting in out of the weather because <laughs> I know knocking on the door when it's 20 degrees and the wind's howling at 17 miles an hour is not pleasant. And most people are going to crack the door and be like, what are you doing here? They don't want to let the heat out. So I understand that. So if you're able to come out with us, uh, those of you that aren't physically able to come out, there are things you can do. We've given you some things, uh, some scripts that you can use and read and study off of. Again, incorporate some of what we've been teaching here into those. But you can talk to people on the phone. Uh, you, you can write letters uh, to family members, loved ones, friends, acquaintances that you're concerned about. Share a letter with them. Uh, get on instant Messenger Facebook or whatever that is that you do, the Messenger Facebook thing. And uh, use whatever means at our disposal. We may not be able to walk around up and down streets, but we can do something. All of us can do something to share the gospel. Okay? All right. Any quick comments, anything left or questions that you have real quick? Otherwise, we'll dismiss and we'll pick up next week. Yes, ma'am. I think there's a couple things I would say about that. Number one, pray, pray, pray. Uh, For a couple things, pray that the Holy Spirit will work on their heart, but then also that he'll give us the right things to say. I'm not saying there's never a time to try to uh, use some things that we can say to help express that. One thing I have found, though, over the years is it does not do a whole lot of good to debate with somebody who does not trust the Scriptures. The best thing I know to do, and I think what the Bible clearly teaches us, 
is that the Word of God is quick and it's powerful. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. And there's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So I would quote, read, recite, whatever you got to do, as much scripture as you can in that conversation. Because what we can't do, the Holy Spirit can and the Word of God can. And after all, that's the only thing that's working in these hearts anyway. We're just a vessel that's taking it to them. Okay? So I've told people this when they ask me about how do I deal with an atheist, uh, an agnostic. Quote Scripture. Quote Scripture. Quote Scripture. It's the thing that will do its work. The Word of God does not return void. My logic, my reasoning, (laughs) people can refute that all day long and easily. But when you quote Scripture, the Bible will do its work and the Holy Spirit will do its work. And really, if we've prayed and we've spent the time praying for God to do it, that's all we can do. And really, that's the best we can do. If we try to do anything other than that, we're doing less. That's the maximum that can be done. So I would say that about that, and hopefully that will be helped. And you know, we can't make that God create us with free will. We can't make somebody trust him as their Savior. But we can be a vessel to bring the Holy Spirit into the situation and to allow God's Word. And as much as we can study and know God's Word and use notes that show us which verses maybe sometimes that will be helpful, uh, I think it's a great thing. The Word of God just does... I've seen seen miraculous changes in a person's heart in a period of a 30-minute conversation when God's Word and the Holy Spirit are involved. And uh, I've seen <laughs> the opposite of that hold true when I've tried to say things and I, I don't really use God's word very much. I try to use logic or reasoning and I don't get very far with that. And I think the Bible's pretty pretty clear on that too. So We'll give some tools down the road. I'm not saying there's never a time to use like a science thing or, a, or an archeolo- archaeological thing, but those are not the things we want to use to rely on. On. They may be supporting things that we use, but there's no substitute for, for the Word of God doing its work. Okay? All right. Why don't we be dismissed? It's about a quarter after eight now, so let's go ahead and pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you for the interest of our folks and the compassion. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to have a vision for the lost, to take every opportunity to share the gospel. I pray that you will bless the time that we spend studying and learning and becoming better workmen, better equipped. And, Father, would you give us discernment and discretion in your wisdom, the leading of your Holy Spirit, in the matters of doctrine as we look at them over the next several months and as we uh, are being bombarded every day, it seems like, more and more, worse and worse, of doctrinal error. I pray that you would help us to hold hold fast to these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.